Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. This is the Grace for This City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we're helping you turn your cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we're giving you scriptural motivation and strategies so you can get out there and get some stuff done for your king. King Jesus, that is. And I'm telling you, friends, don't delay. Accept Jesus today. Hallelujah. He's the one that you need to be giving your life to, yielding your life to him. There's a lot of chaos, a lot of craziness going on. There are various strategies behind the scenes that are nefarious in nature. And I'm telling you, you need Jesus to help you navigate. And once you're born again, you're going to have eyes and ears that see into a spiritual reality, and you'll be able to navigate clearly. That's the strategic advantage, friends. Vision is the strategic advantage, but you have to be alive to have those kinds of eyes. So don't delay. Accept Jesus today. The Bible says anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on him. Tell him you desperately need him. Give him your life and ask him to do something phenomenal with it, and I believe he will. If you need some help with that, you can reach out to us, hello at gracecitychurch.tv, or call us 870-741-9099. Or I'm telling you, there's somebody close by. Somebody near you has been praying for you. Somebody near you has been petitioning the Lord that you would come to the knowledge of the gift of salvation that has been provided for you. So turn to somebody today. All right, let's get into this. Excuse me. We've got some great things that we want to cover. And uh, I want to talk about mindsets, mindsets, or we can say maybe paradigms. I really like that word, but mindsets, a couple mindsets here that are required in order to navigate this spiritually dominated and saturated environment. Mindsets needed to finish strong. If you're are going to finish your race. If you're going to run your race and finish and finish well, then you're going to need some of these mindsets. You're, you're going to need to embrace a few of these paradigms because if you don't, then you're not going to have the grit and the tenacity that you need in order to finish strong. Listen, the devil's going to take you out if you are not going, uh, if you're not determined that no matter what obstacle or opposition comes your way, you're not going to quit. If you are a quitter, then quit quitting. This is your last quit. Quit quitting and make up your mind that you're going to be determined to obey God and determined to run your race to the finish. All right, now, in Matthew 26, verse 40, Jesus is telling his disciples here, after he found them sleeping, and he said, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Now, there's a lot in this verse. Prophetically speaking, Jesus is giving us the, un- the understanding that we're in the last moments of time. You and I are the last runners in this race. If you think of it like a baton race, and let's say there was four runners or five runners, say, you and I are that last runner. And there are requirements and expectations on that last uh, member of the race. This is what I want to talk about. These mindsets that we need in order to finish strong 
and to run our race to completion and to not be knocked off course or knocked out of the race completely because we were unprepared uh, for the rigorous adventure that you and I are on. So we're in the last hour and uh, we will discover that many are unable to stay awake with Jesus for the final push, but not you, friend. Many ministries even uh, have arrived and are now facing this last stretch. Even few of them will finish. Listen, the reality is that narrow is the way and few there are that find it. But listen, if you have been privileged, hallelujah, praise God. This is why it's so important for uh, intercession and prayer for our lost friends and loved ones. Because wide is the way that leads to destruction. Many are on that path. But I'm telling you what a glorious um, reward it is, or, and it is and will be, for those who have found the way and have endured steadfast till the end. But I'm telling you, many are not staying awake. You know, this, this whole wokeism. I, I, you talk about Antichrist, that they would use the word woke and associate it with all these devilish ideas that people are coming up with. I, 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 I mean, just absolutely crazy. I, I mean, insane ideas that are being associated with being fully awake and aware. No, friends, that is deception. And many are as fast asleep as they possibly could be. No, coming to the knowledge of the truth is waking up to Jesus Christ. And uh, that's what you and I are doing. We are awake right now with Jesus. We are bringing this thing home. We're in the last few minutes. This is the final push. And uh, there is some expectation that we would have some serious tenacity in what we are doing and facing right now. Some are going to not make it due to wrong paradigms which place the wrong instruments in the wrong place. They're trying to utilize the wrong tools for the wrong things for the wrong time. Let me give you some examples of the time that we're in. This last leg of the journey. Listen, we're in the last of the last days. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, this, uh, the Holy Spirit gives us clues that when we uh, come upon perilous times, we'll know that we are in eschatos or the very end of the end of the end. Eschatos was a word to, to describe like the last day of the week or the last week of the month or the last month of the year. He said, you'll know you're at the end when you come upon perilous times. Listen, we're in perilous times for various reasons. But this, this end time, this last leg of the journey, uh, it's, it's, it's a more aggressive pace. Um, it's similar to that of a sprint. Uh, it requires great endurance. It's a shorter distance, but it requires more output. It requires precise tuning. For example, the pace places demand on internals. You can't get the appropriate horsepower from sloppy or large tolerances. Now, I'm using some references to machinery, but you know, if you take like an 8,000 horsepower drag race car, Okay, I, I, I mean, these top fuel race cars, you know, they put out 8,000 horsepower, 6,000 horsepower, 4,000 horsepower. These, these engines, they, they are finely uh, tuned machines. They are precisely machined parts. The tolerances are tighter. You know, this isn't just like your run-of-the-mill car that they just put some, su uh, you know, super fuel in. No, you, you, cars, 
like you and I just buy off the street here, the tolerances aren't the same. There's more margin of error in how they machine the parts. Not so in a machine that puts out 6,000 horsepower. If you were to have sloppy tolerances, you would blow the thing up. You can't put that type of fuel that runs at a hotter temperature in just your standard run-of-the-mill, you know, four-cylinder engine. These machines are finely tuned. They're finely machined. They're precision machined. And that's how they get that kind of output. Listen, as a member in the body of Christ, here's the metaphor that we need to get. The less you uh, have a high standard of what you tolerate, meaning if you tolerate more things and your standard is lower, you don't care about the sloppy way things fit together. You're not going to get the output. And the more things that the devil can get you to tolerate, if your tolerances are not very finely tuned, you just tolerate all kinds of stuff, all kinds of sin. You're, you're, you, like in your, what you put before your eyes and your ears, the activities that you engage in. Listen, that's the big argument right now. People think that because we're not under the law, we're under grace, that holiness means nothing now. And they're engaging in all kinds of sexual sins, all kinds of things that uh, immoral conduct. They're getting drunk. They're doing drugs. Like the, the, the culture in their homes, the atmosphere in their homes is devilish because they're tolerating it. Their tolerances, they have major gaps. The tolerances are not tight. They have not evaluated how precision is their operation. They just, it's just whatever. Hey, you know, if it starts up and runs, doesn't matter if it smokes, leaks oil, you know, there's no pressure, just there's, there's blow by. That's what I'm talking about. You're not going to get the, the, the output. You're not going to have the horsepower when you need it if you have sloppy tolerances. This leg of the race requires intense focus and drive. Distractions are less forgiving. Um, let, let me throw this in because I think this will help you. Potential is the enemy of purpose. Potential is the enemy of purpose. Listen, if, if, if somebody told you, hey, yeah, you know, you were uh, doing this and that. Oh, man, you've got potential in that area. Well, what you could do might militate against what you should be doing. If you have a thousand options of what you could do, you may work against what God is requiring of you. We don't look at potential as a leading. Potential is not a leading. Uh, people say, well, you, you know, you could be whatever you want to be. Yeah, you can choose to go against God's plan for your life. You can choose to develop something obscure that's in the totally, uh, you know, in a totally opposite direction than the, the direction the Lord wants you to go. You can chase potential. But I'm telling you, if all you do is chasing your potential, it becomes the vast ocean of possibilities other than purpose. So you, you can see how potential can be the enemy of your purpose. This is what I'm talking about. It's going to require, and if, if you're going to finish strong, here's one of the mindsets. If you're going to finish strong, you're going to have to be focused and you're going to have to be driven and you're going to have to not tolerate distractions. You need to locate the thing that God has called you to. Now, something the Lord told me was, he said, define the parameters of your grace. And then within those boundaries, hustle. So, you know, there may be one, two, three, four, five things we're doing, 
but they're all associated because they're, they all um, work together towards a common goal. They're within the, the uh, boundaries or the parameter of the grace that I'm operating in or the grace that's on me. By the way, Paul said, I am what I am by the grace. He didn't develop his potential, not in that sense, not in the way people use it today. The grace came on him. And Paul said that that grace was not fruitless, meaning when God supernaturally empowered me, I had the empowerment needed or the help or the assistance needed to become what I was called to be. You don't just self-develop that. And then God, you know, uh, you know, you say, well, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to go get some gurus and I'm going to spend a lot of money getting training. And then God's going to put his stamp of approval on it. No, uh, the Bible says that God places in the body as he sees fit, meaning he's already prepared a place for you. You wake up or come to the knowledge of that place. And then you yield to it. When you yield to your place, when you yield to your calling, then there's an empowerment that comes on you to become what you were called. Remember what he told Jer- uh, Jeremiah? He said, before you were even born, while you were, uh, before you were even in your mother's womb, he said, I called you a prophet. The grace was there for Jeremiah to yield to the calling, and then the grace made him what he was. This is what I'm talking about here. You're going to have to filter through and really put off and put away from you that it's tolerable in the kingdom for you to ponder and explore a vast ocean of potential. The only reason why you're doing that is because you have no clue what you're supposed to be doing. And so, and so somebody said, Hey, uh, you know, you drew a picture of a boat the other day. You could be an artist or, Hey, do you play guitar? Maybe you're supposed to be a worship leader. Okay. I mean, maybe, but listen, the Lord will reveal to you the way that you should go. And that's the way that you choose to walk therein. And the grace comes on you. You say, well, my college degree is in this. Well, you may have went to college outside of God's will. (laughs) Hello, somebody. Listen, you're trying to pass responsibility off on the Lord for your poor decisions. That's not how it works. We need to take the time to slow down, be quiet, and ask him, what am I to do? Where am I to go? I mean, think of Abraham, the father of our faith. Listen, he's the patriarch of all those who have come to righteousness through faith. And the Lord said, I want you to go somewhere. I want you to get moving and I'll show you. Listen, that that takes great um, strength right there, just to follow the Lord into unknowns, okay? And, but God wasn't taking Abraham on this exploration of all possibilities. He had a very definitive destination in mind, and he would stay true to that. All right, the next thing that is going to be required, one mindset that you're going to have to grab a hold of here in order to finish strong and to obey God thoroughly until the end is this leg of the journey is going to require pain management. Pain management. Meaning uh, we're going to have to run well under pressure and intense heat buildup. First of all, the faster you go, uh, the more resistance. You know, when the space shuttles, um, you know, come back to Earth, you know, they come back into the orbit, there's intense heat buildup because of the heat and the pressure. There's a lot of resistance when they come from outer space back into our atmosphere. And there's special uh, parts and 
and materials that are on these machines in order to dissipate the heat appropriately. Listen, the more centralized you are in God's will, the more you're going to have to manage the pain that is associated with the resistance to you doing what God's told you to. You're going to have to get better at managing the way people smirk, laugh, mock, whether it's friends, family, other people, strangers. We have to get better at handling the resistance that comes at us from being focused and driven in what God has called us to. Now, when I say driven, I don't mean a jerk face. What I mean is we're very dialed in. We're very uh, focused. Uh, We are not so spread thin So all of our strength and energy and momentum gets focused in on something a little bit smaller. We're not doing shotgun blasts. We're zeroing in with a laser focus so that we can get that sniper shot. So the pain associated with people who misunderstand what you're doing or just straight up demonic resistance because the more focused you are, the more production or output or fruit will be developed. And, you know, the idea of a uh, jack-of-all-trades, master of none, the devil would love to keep you so diluted that what you're producing, the output or the result, the fruit of your labors is limited. Um, You know, you just got a little bit here. You got a little bit there. You got a little bit here. You got a little bit there. And because you're so spread thin, uh, stuff is not getting taken care of or handled or, you know, nurtured appropriately. The devil would love to keep you in that realm. So pain management is a requirement. We must learn the second, or uh, not the second, but another another mindset here is we must utilize advancements better. Like, for example, I'm not talking about technology. Uh, I remember living through when PowerPoints suddenly became the new standard for preaching. And it was like people were aghast if their pastor wasn't using a PowerPoint presentation to present the gospel. Um, I mean, I told, I totally get it. Visuals, audio visuals. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. But the power is not in the PowerPoint presentation. The Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that is strong enough to deliver somebody unto salvation. But what I'm saying is we lived through several years Uh, and several of these moments where suddenly technological advancements suddenly were now the new thing that was going to finally assist God where he could finally get the uh, the results that he was intending. And so it, it, it was like, if you had a pastor that wasn't using technology, somehow he was suddenly disqualified from being a minister of the gospel. You know, a lot of churches, they defined excellence as in lights and sounds and smoke machines and how to entertain people. Excellence drifted from rightly dividing the scriptures to all the supplemental things that catered to the flesh of the people that captured, enraptured their flesh attention. This is what I'm talking about. Use technology. One of the one of the other things that happened was, you know, if you were a church that didn't have an LCD projector, it's like, man, you, you are backwards. You know, where are you at? Like, you're still in the dark ages. Everybody's getting LCD projectors. You know, it was like, wow, okay, your pastor, you know, it's like suddenly he's disqualified because what's the deal? 
you got to get an LCD projector, brother, or your sermons stink. No, uh, phenomenal, phenomenal things happen. There are people uh, in other nations that don't have the access to some of the technology that we have, and there's miracles. I mean, signs, wonders, manifestations, demonstrations, people getting saved. I mean, the healing testimonies, they didn't have a projector. They didn't have a PowerPoint slide to go along with the message. All they heard was the gospel and the gospel delivered them. Listen, if you're in a country, if you're in a nation, you can have technology. You're listening to me. You're watching me because of technology. Praise God for it. But that's not the advancements that we're talking about. Now that I've thoroughly explained that, here's what I'm talking about. Grace to grace. The latest grace is what's uh, needed and necessary right now. The Bible says we go from what? Faith to faith. Listen, if you're going to navigate the time in which we live now and you're going to finish strong, you're going to have to learn how to utilize the latest grace, the latest faith. The Bible says we go from glory to glory. Our focus should be on utilizing the latest glory, the latest demonstration and revelation of faith. Listen, if you look at stuff as um, progressive from a 30,000 foot view standpoint, say that what they began, remember John 4, he's put us into the labors of others that will reap what they have sown. This is what I'm talking about. It's progressive like that. Others labored for you and I to have the spiritual access that we have now. We must be better at utilizing those spiritual advancements. Praise God for natural technology. Okay. Uh, you know, here's another one. It was like suddenly like, oh my goodness, you don't have text to give? What kind of backwards church are you? You mean your people still have to write checks? Yeah. We have text to give. That's not the point. What I'm saying is we thought that we were hindered or limited because somehow we weren't utilizing some naturally based technology enhancement we thought that was going to be the game changer no having the spiritual tools utilizing the spiritual advancements is what's going to make all the difference so if we're going to compete in a spiritually dominated and saturated environment we need the latest spiritual advancements we need to utilize them and become proficient in their use. Listen, tongues and interpretation, we have not taken full advantage of that type of spiritual tooling. I'm using that as an example. Like 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the list of spiritual gifts there, or Romans 12, the gifts from Father there, or even Ephesians 4, Christ's gifts to the church. We have not fully utilized all there is. There are advancements in that technology, if you will. There are things that we still are coming to the awareness of, of how to utilize them to be able to get massive output and production from them. Let's, let's move on here. Here's another mindset. In order to run and be uh, effective in this leg of the journey, in this time in which we live, this last push for the end, for Christ to come, we must have chosen maturity. This position, the last runner, say, in a baton race, it is the fastest runner, 
And there's a mindset about that person that's different from the one. Like each runner has a particular assignment or mandate or end game associated with their place in the race. This place requires that we have chosen maturity. Maturity is a requirement to have a chance at finishing the or crossing the finish line. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But now that I have become a man, I'm done with childish things and I have put them aside. We have to understand that there is a time, Galatians 4 said, there's a time appointed by the father that we would put away childish things. Now I have um, seen uh, I have battled my own temptations with this and have overcome certain things, but I've also seen where others have faced the same and similar temptation because there's no temptation that is uncommon. I'm not special, so any temptation that I face, there's millions of people facing it. But um, what we've seen in our generation is this idea or this uh, strategy called delayed adolescence. Delayed adolescence. What that is is an entire generation that has missed their appointment with maturity. They have chosen not to put away childish things, right? And instead of putting away childish things and embracing a new promotion and increase, greater responsibility, perspective, awareness, and wisdom, they've resisted that to stay in childish things. You know, when you're in your late 20s, when you're in your 30s, when you're in your early 40s, my goodness, when you're in your 50s, and what you're doing would be universally typified as childish, there's a problem, friend, that you have missed your appointment, your Kairos moment for promotion uh, to move on in into greater understanding and awareness. Um, We've got to understand that many are not crossing over into their appointment with maturity. Listen, maybe you've missed your, uh, your initial moment. Well, you need to ask the Lord to be brought around again and to be face-to-face with that moment of transition where you're putting away childish things. Here's, here's what the uh, Bible says concerning that. In Galatians 4, verse 1 and 2, it says, As long as the heir is a child and under age, he does not differ from a slave. And I was thinking about this. Now, this is a principle here that the Bible shows us that if you refuse to uh, take your place, um, there's a five Greek words that speak to spiritual development. One of them is translated son. For example, uh, it says that uh, those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That's in Romans. The word sons is the Greek word huios. And it is speaking of a time, uh, an appointment. It's a maturity where the son recognizes his place in the oikos, in the family, and he accepts his responsibility. And now, because he has accepted his place, he's come to... Uh, he is aware now of uh, the uh, place in the family. He has accepted his responsibility now as a contributing member to that, uh, that oikos, that environment, that ecosystem, that economy. Now, because he has accepted that, he has been invited 
in to participate along with father and the rest of the operations of the household. That's uh, one of the words used as a son. And so that's the expectation of Heavenly Father. He's calling us son. He's relating to us as a son. We have been privileged to be born again as a son. But listen, there's a period of time where we're treated like a child. We're not given certain responsibilities. We're being trained, but yet full weight of the responsibility isn't laid on our shoulders. But there is a time, there's an appointment where we have to say, all right, it's time now for me. There's expectation from my father. There's expectation from the rest of the members of the oikos, of the ecosystem. There's an expectation now that I would accept my invitation, the promotion, the privilege to take my place and become a contributing member in this oikos and continue to relate to my father on a son-father basis. There's conversation. Uh, There's the expectation that now the, the son and the father would link arms and expand the operation now. But listen, the Bible says that if you refuse that appointment, then you're not going to be uh, uh, related to on the basis of a huios or a son. No, you've rejected that appointment with ma- ma- maturity. Now you're left with being treated like a slave. Now, if you just take the word uh, and strip it of all its political windows and everything else that's going on, and you just take the word slave, what is a slave? What's well, somebody uh, that's either hired or it's forced labor, and they're just told what to do. Like if you have a butler, say, okay? Now the Bible uses the word slave, but you could think of it you know, as a butler. Uh, maybe some of them <laughs> lived in slave-like conditions. But the idea here is this is another person that is totally in subjection to do whatever they're told to do. There's no conversation. Uh, there's no back and forth. I don't tell this person Uh, or I'm not asking this person for, you know, advice. I'm not asking for their opinion. The reason why they're here is simply to be told what to do. And if they don't do what they're told, there could be disciplinary actions, maybe even harsh disciplinary actions. This is what the Bible is saying. Look, if you refuse your appointment with maturity, the only thing you're left with is now to be interacted with as as a slave. You're just going to be told what to do when the father wants to invite you into the conversation. He wants you to He wants to invite you into the relationship of the oikos that there's interactivity now based upon the work that has to be done. Like you have a place at the table. That's sonship. Totally different than being a slave. If you refuse to put off childish things and embrace maturity, you're going to be treated like a slave. You're not going to have the kind of buy-in. You're not going to have a share you're, you are not going to have an inheritance in what God uh, you know, has going on or would want for you because you have rejected it because you chose to stay childish. Remember what Paul said, when I became a man. Listen, that's an appointment. When I became a woman, you know, if you're a female, there's an appointment for you. There is a point in time where God's going to say, it's time now to stop being childish and come on into your place. Take your seat, take your place as a contributing member of of the oikos, uh, of the household. And when you do that, he invites you into a totally different conversation. By the way, uh, you're you're promoted. 
because more responsibility is given to you. There's a promotion there because now you're suddenly aware of things that you weren't aware of before. When I was a kid, I wasn't aware of leaving the lights on or leaving the refrigerator door open or, you know, being wasteful. You know, I wasn't aware of what it took to run the Oikos. My parents took care of that until I came to an age where they could begin to explain things to me. More uh, revelation of how things work was given to me because of appointments that I had with maturity. Now I was aware of what it takes to you know, own a home, to run a home, to run a farm, to run a business, to run a family, to lead a family, to be a husband, to be a father. Every stage of promotion, every stage of revelation requires that you would dismiss yourself from immature things, ways, things that would keep you trapped, bound to uh, something like a slave where you are involved, but you're only made to do things. I hope that helps you. That's required. You're going to have to be willing to say, Lord, where have I missed appointments to go on to the next stages of maturity until we reach the full stature of Christ Jesus? That's, that's the whole goal. All these gifts that have been given to the church are to mature the saints for the work of the ministry or the work of the oikos, the work of the household. Whose household? Father's household. So listen, if you are in a stage where um, you realize that there should be really, you should have more responsibility than what you currently have. Well, it could be simply due to you missed an appointment with promotion. You've hung on to something that you needed to have grown out of, some immature expression. Now, I'm not talking about that you're literally like toddlerish, uh, you know, but but there are elements, elementary elements, that if you don't get ingrained and established as foundation, you're not going to be able to step on into other things. And the Lord may bring you back around. Praise God, if it, you know, if if you missed it, ask Him to bring you back around where you can get it this 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 time. Don't spend another 10 years in, in immature things. Don't miss your appointment now with putting off immature things and stepping on into greater works. Hallelujah. Uh, let's see here. The last thing, and I just got a little bit of time left. The last thing that I want to give you uh, in our conversation here of mindsets that we need in order to finish strong or mindsets that we need to embrace uh, to run our race and to accomplish all that God has called us to is in this leg of the race, um, which is a, uh, there's a finishing anointing on us. We're operating at a finishing pace. We are in a finishing posturing uh, one thing that we're going to have to become aware of, we're going to have to become proficient in, is the buffeting of the flesh. Now, this kind of coincides with putting away childish things. Children uh, don't know how to do that, at least not initially. Uh, children are all about themselves, at least initially. There is foolishness bound up in the heart of immature people, and that foolishness has to get driven out. You don't 
become full age and still retain foolishness. That's got to be driven out. And uh, so there is an expectation that you and I have to embrace that we are expected to become or we're expected to be proficient at buffeting the flesh, meaning we don't let the flesh do whatever it wants to do. In fact, that's part of coming into spiritual maturity is we have dominated the flesh. We have subdued it. We have disciplined it. That is definitely a telltale, a telltale sign that somebody is spiritually mature is the flesh uh, doesn't control or dominate. Uh, this includes all the aspects of the operation of the flesh. Uh, one verse in James gives us a huge uh, metric or a benchmark that will um, help us to determine where we're at in, in that process. And let me just quote it. It's in James. Well, let me turn there. What is it? Is it James? Let me get there. I didn't have this in, in my notes, but the Lord brought this up. And it says this here. If anyone among you thinks he is religious, but does not bridle his, his tongue, uh, this one deceives his own heart and his religion is useless. Various translations associate this thought here that one way you'll know you're spiritually mature is that you're able to bridle the tongue. Somebody that has a loose tongue, um, if you have no uh, discipline and you just speak whatever comes to your mind, that is a telltale sign that you are still spiritually immature. The Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. Other scripture says, put a watch over your mouth. James talks about how powerful the tongue is, that it's like a little rudder on a ship. You get these massive ships, but that, you know, in comparison, you know, they have a small rudder that turns this massive ship. He's like, that's the tongue. And if you can't get a handle on that tongue, uh, it is indicative that the flesh part of you um, is dominant. And one thing that you could begin to develop right, right, right now is not saying whatever you think. I mean, I don't think I need to tell you this, but the immense damage that is done when you do that and really the exploitation that you're imposing on people, loved ones, your husband, your wife, your children, your friends, your coworkers, your boss, that they have to be the recipients of an untamed tongue is actually immature. The Bible says, get a hold of that tongue. And I'm telling you, once you can get a hold of that tongue, the Bible says in James that you can direct the rest of your life more easily. So one mindset that we need to have here is we must become proficient at buffeting the flesh. Let me give you some scripture to underscore this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race, Paul says, that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. So he's using this analogy of um, this race. Now, we're not competing against one another, but we are competing against the plan that God has for us. And the prize is walking in the fullness of God's plan. And so he's saying, look, you're not going to just be able to slough this off and expect that you're going to get a prize for it. There are no participation trophies when it comes to this. That is such a 
counterintuitive idea to give these kids participation trophies when they haven't put any effort into it. Like you're awarding the kid that didn't try the trophy um, that's in comparison to the kid that dedicated the last summer to developing this skill and pushing himself to where he has this uh, output and you're associating these two as the same. That is ridiculous. And there's a whole generation that's not even trying because they know that somebody's going to hand clap them or give them an award for their laziness. We don't call it laziness. We say, well, at least you tried. Yeah, but you were, uh, your heart wasn't in it. Your heart wasn't in it. And you sloughed around. Remember, remember the Bible? It said, man, consider the ant you sluggard. I mean, you got to understand here that uh, uh, the devil would uh, would love to award you for wallowing in your flesh. By the way, remember the um, Samson's uh, arch enemy? Who was that? It was the Philistines. The Philistines were after Samson's strength. What was Samson's strength? Well, number one, it was a grace. It was a supernatural empowerment but it was supported through disciplines. God said, don't do this, 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 and this. There was a buffeting to the flesh that helped to support and bring boundary and parameter to the grace that was operating in his life. And the Philistines were after that. Tell us the secret. Tell us the secret. Tell us the secret. Tell us the secret. There were several things. There was a consecration and a sanctification that God said, hey, look, if, if you're going to walk in this power, you're going to have to have a mindset that protects it you can't just engage in everything and anything and expect that this power to stay potent so they were after him and after him you know the story of samson that he would lose his strength if he cut his hair and uh he lost his strength but um the word philistine the word philistine it means to wallow in self it's self-indulgence listen it's the bane of everybody your flesh is one of the biggest catalysts uh, to you losing or becoming disqualified in your race if you just give in to your flesh. Now, here's what Paul adds to this metaphor of run and run well and run with skill and press past pain and keep going because you are after the finish. He adds this thought in verse 27. Now, this is hard, but we need, we need to hear it. He says, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. The Amplified says, I handle it roughly. I discipline it by hardship and subdue it. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Listen, you are not hard enough on yourself alone. You alone are not hard enough on yourself. You are too light on yourself. This is why you need a coach. There is not one competitive sport on the face of the planet that doesn't have a coach associated with its participants. There's all kinds of coaches because we need coaches because we don't see everything. We don't um, recognize all of our own weak areas. And we don't have really a full perspective of what we're, uh, of what we're capable of unless we have third party uh, that has revelation from the father, a fathering spirit that's working alongside of us to bring us into the fullness. 
So you need somebody in your life that will help you discipline yourself and subdue your flesh and bring about a paradigm that says, look, you're going to have to embrace some resistance here if you're going to finish strong. That is okay, friends. That is just fine. You don't need to be afraid of that. And so you need to ask the Lord right now to bring some bodies into my life that will move in a fathering spirit uh, that will have the paradigm of a coach or like a mentor or somebody that will help me subdue my flesh so I don't wallow in it and become disqualified. The devil would love to work you against you. And he would love to exploit your weaknesses. He would love to exploit uh, areas that you're tempted in and exploit it and bring you into a place of failure. So listen, Paul said that he handled his body harshly. Now he wasn't beating him, wasn't breaking bones, cutting himself, making himself bleed. That's masochistic. We're not talking about that. But you have to handle the desires of the flesh very firmly or they'll get a hold of you and disqualify you. So here he said, I disciplined it through hardships, not easy ships and not light ships. He disciplined it through hardships. Hard things are not your enemy. Now we're not talking about strategies of the enemy that are hard against us or painful. We're not talking about that. We're talking about embracing disciplines and your flesh says, that's too hard. That's too hard. That's too early. That's too long. That's too much. No, that's just the flesh. And you're going to have to learn to put that aside or you're not going to finish well, friend. All right, we're going to have to wrap up the uh, podcast today. But uh, hey, thank you for tuning in. This has been mindsets that we need to embrace if we're going to finish strong. Listen, if you're going to run your race and receive the prize for being obedient in your generation and accomplishing all that God has asked of you, you need to embrace these mindsets. And so maybe you need to re-listen to this, meditate on it, uh, set some goals maybe, and uh, don't be afraid of inviting people to come alongside you that can help father you, help nurture you, speak into your life, maybe help coach you in some areas so that you can obtain that prize. That's the goal, friends. Listen, if we can help you in any way uh, in association with this, it would be our honor to do so. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv or call us 870-741-9099. Hey, I want to give a big shout out to all of our prayer partners and all of our uh, financial partners who have contributed in some way to this podcast. It's getting all over the world, friends. And uh, you are helping make that possible. I should say this, that uh, Grace for This City podcast is made possible by friends and partners such as yourself. Hallelujah. Listen, if you would like to participate in that way, several ways that you can do that, you can text to give. If you're in the United States, you can text 84321. That's 84321. Just follow the prompts. Or you can go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give. Or you can write a check and mail it to P.O. Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. Again, in advance, I say thank you for your prayers. Thank you for believing in the podcast. Thank you for praying that it's getting to the right people at the right time. Hallelujah. Hey, and until next time, my friends, be blessed.